So, hi everyone, welcome to A Life of Education, and this is our podcast. Today we're here with Dr. Linnell Dunn and Dr. Vanda Corbett from the Chiron Clinic. Did I say that right? It's actually the Chiron Clinic. Chiron Clinic. I won't hold it against you. (laughs) So sorry. Um, So, tell us a little bit about the clinic and about yourselves. The Chiron Clinic actually comes from the Greek mythology. Chiron means... Um, he, actually, he was a centaur, he was a physician, and he was a teacher as well. So it's the art of bringing education and healing together. And we are an integrative clinic now kind of pioneering the whole idea of sustainable medicine for the UAE, which means bringing all integrative forms of medicine together, evidence-based and complementary and alternative and natural forms of medicine into a system that focuses on a sustainable model. So looking at healthcare in terms of treating the patient as an individual, looking, doing the least invasive treatments first, uh, using prevention, focusing on the cause rather than a symptomatic cure. Yeah, this is what we're all about. Mm. Nice practice. Vanda, so you're a chiropractor. I am. Mm-hmm. Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I am a chiropractor. Uh, I've been in practice here in Dubai for eight years, uh, but in practice in total for 14, I guess now. Wow. Um, yeah, time goes by quick. Yeah, it does. Um, I am actually the president of the Emirates Chiropractic Association, so I do a lot of work uh, involved with not just Dubai, but the UAE, as well as globally with our um, regional, like, uh, MENA organization, and then also with the WFC, the World Federation of Chiropractic. So, yeah, I'm pretty involved in, as far as chiropractic goes in, mm-hmm. the, in the region. And how did you two meet? How did we meet? The first time. <laughs> you really want to hear this story? Yeah, this is yeah. actually really funny. <laughs> The first time we met, we actually met at Shakespeare's, and it was Halloween, and I was taking my children out, and I was dressed up as a Pocahontas, (laughs) (laughs) and so I think you thought that I actually looked like that all the time, didn't you? Maybe, maybe. She she did it. She was a very good Pocahontas. The costume was really, really good, but it was quite funny. (laughs) So you met... So we met. How did you go from from Pocahontas? I tried for almost two years to get her to come to the clinic. Yeah, you were working at Blue Tree Clinic before. Yeah, I was at Mm. Blue Tree before, but then I've been at um, Chiron for almost almost a year. It'll be a year in June. Um, Yeah, so she was she was a hard hard sell, and I played hard to get for a while. But then, um, yeah, I just decided to jump ship, and it was a very good choice on my behalf. Yeah, good good to hear. And you guys are doing a lecture series on the nervous system for a life of education. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what your your talk is about? Our talk is about the nervous system and from a from a, an anatomical perspective going into the physiology and it um, and then going into kind of how we look at it from a functional and anthroposophical perspective, how we look at the nervous system and it, the role it plays clinically in the practice, and then looking also at treatment modalities and what we can do to kind of focus on the nervous system in practice. Mm. So for people watching, um, why is the nervous system important to health and well-being? Do you want to answer? Do you want me to? Okay. The nervous system is like the motherboard of your computer. 
it is the hardwiring system that is affected by every thought and every feeling you have. So if you want to be a healthy, have a healthy body, be really great at what you do, at how you function, how you perform as an athlete, then you also have to take care of your nervous system because every thought and every feeling you have impacts that performance. And if you look at actually elite athletes, they do a huge amount of training in, from a mental perspective, and it's because of the nervous system. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of athletes doing a lot of meditation practices yeah. and breathing practices and yoga, mm. like football players doing loads of yoga. So. Mm. It's the trend, but because finally people are beginning to realize that their nervous system is overloaded, and if they want to enhance their functionality, they actually need to look at the root cause. So how do we know if our nervous system is overloaded? What would be some of the signs? From In general terms, can you get out of your thinking? Can you relax? Mm. Do you ever let your body and your mind just relax, and can you focus on nothing? That's... That's a question I often ask my patients, and most people say no. Yeah, it's kind of hard. I guess that's why they're coming to see us in a way. Yeah. But if you ask just the general person passing on the street, I almost guarantee that 90% of the population have difficulty getting out of their thinking and feeling, really. Don't you, th- don't you agree? The agree. constant Absolutely. chattering? Yeah. yeah. They call it the monkey brain, where yeah. just the continual motion of the brain but it's just always thinking always coming up with different scenarios and never shutting off yeah so how would what what do you do because like if everybody has that what do I do if in terms of like a generality yeah uh, focus on mindfulness practices on a day-to-day level do meditation classes Go to the beach, walk barefoot on the earth, ground yourself to the earth, color, do art. Art gets out of your thinking and gets art. I love art therapy because it's a way of processing your feelings without cognitively processing feelings. So for instance, color, you think of feelings right away. So if you take color and work with it on a piece of paper without having a preconceived goal, so you're just taking color and I feel like oh I'm gonna need red or now I need this color it's you don't really know what's going on but you're actually processing your feelings without putting the hardening of the nervous system into the cognitive aspect of it Mm. does that make sense yeah a little bit it's quite interesting because I think what you guys are describing now in the first part is like what most people would consider kind of airy fairy ground yourself all these but you guys come at it from a neurological perspective straight in like you've got a master's in oh I'm gonna get this wrong uh, positive psychology. We spoke about it all afternoon. I just went completely blank. Um, but it's not like you guys can take the, the airy fairiness and then rationalize it with the scientific um, kind of nervous system, neurological approach, which I think is quite interesting for people. Um, in your talks, you spoke a lot about the sympathetic and parasympathetic. Um, so for people who don't know what those terms are or for people who might continuously get them mixed up, how would you explain kind of firstly, what is the sympathetic uh, system and how can it drive somebody's uh, car? What what was the analogy that you used earlier? Yeah, the analogy I used, um, so the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system is part of the autonomic nervous system or automatic. You don't have to think about it. Um, So the sympathetic is the fight or flight. 
right? Or also, I also call it the gas and the brake. So the sympathetic is like the gas, right? So it's the fight or flight nervous system. So what that means is that um, when you're about to be attacked, right? Um, like by a tiger, this is always, everybody always uses a tiger or a bear. <laughs> if they're about to be attacked by a tiger, it, it it's, it's um, sends all the uh, blood to your extremities so you can like fight, right? Or run away. Yeah. Um, your pupils dilate. Uh, you get um, more adrenaline release. You get more cortisol. It's a very stressful event. Unfortunately, in today's society, what we actually have is it's more um, not necessarily a tiger, but it's your cell phone ringing all the time. It's, um, you know, your alarm clock going off when you haven't had enough sleep. It's um, constant emails. It's never turning your phone off. It's never actually being present in the moment. You're just always constantly stimulated. And that really stimulates and hypes up the sympathetic nervous system, what we call where you're in sympathetic dominance. Yeah. And then on the, on the other side of that is the parasympathetic nervous system, which we also call the break or the rest and digest. So that's where the, the body really just takes over and um, it brings all the blood back to the major organs. You can really focus on digestion. You start to heal. Um, it, it happens when you're sleeping. So like, there's all that stuff where the, the parasympathetic system comes into effect um, and just really helps to relax the body these should be in balance. So the sympathetic and the parasympathetic should be constantly working gas and break gas and break, um, and work together in harmony. But unfortunately in today's society, um, it's just gas all the time, right? There's just really no like stop and shut down. And like you said before, what a lot of the concepts that people thought were very airy fairy, like think positive and you know, all this stuff where people really are just thinking that it just some like, old guru on a mountaintop in India was really saying for years, but what we're actually can now actually prove with science is that what they're saying is actually definitely true. So you just need to take some time. You need to walk without, you know, your shoes off, ground yourself, walk in the sand, um, really just take a moment for mindfulness and meditation. And overall, it just really helps calm the nervous system. Yeah, something you mentioned in your talk, which I found really surprising, was the Harvard professor who was teaching a lecture on happiness and that's the the most um, number of people in, in a particular class. I thought it would have been business, economics, money, like those things and it's happiness. Like yeah. how did that happen? Yeah, Sean, Sean Encore at the, um, he's a very popular, he actually has one of the most popular TED Talks as well. So if you ever have a chance to watch his TED Talk, it's amazing. But um, in What's his, his name again? Uh, Sean Encore, An- I think it is. It's, I think it's A-N-C-H-O-R or C- K-O-R, one of those, one of those two, um, definitely Sean. Uh, but yeah, he's, um, teaches the introduction to happiness course at Harvard and it is by far the most attended class that they've ever had in the history of Harvard. So people want to know about it. People are trying to, they're searching for like how to be more happy and how to like relax in today's society. Um, so with the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, the way I always understood it and you, you sort of said something there, which I just wanted to make confirm, maybe I have a slightly di- different overview of it they should be working in harmony does that mean that they should both be working at the same time because my i might have a different grasp of it i always looked at it as a spectrum as in you're on one point and you're either shifting because when you kind of describe the fight or flight or the rest and relax people think you're either always adrenaline rushing and way down there or you're all the way relaxing and, and in bed just digesting your food but my understanding is that it's sort of a spectrum so you can shift from one system to the other or or are you describing that they should both work at the same time and you know it should be balanced well 
you can't say they're actually balanced, but for for any particular bodily function, you one is either on or off. So if you're going to the bathroom, one is on and one is off. If you're swallowing your food, one's on and one's off. So it's not you don't have exactly five of each. So you can't look at I it see. in a quantitative perspective. It depends on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, something that I also remember you guys mentioned was the hormones that were associated with, with each of them. Um, I think you might be able to clarify on that, but what are, how does fight or flight and the hormone response interplay? Well, when you're in a sympathetic nervous response, your cortisol is perpetuated, so you're building more cortisol, which is actually they I just went to a really interesting conference on neuroinflammation and they're showing that although as physicians we focus on adrenal glands it's actually the cortisol in the brain that's causing the shrinking that Dr. Vanda was talking about of the hippocampus so you're having this kind of grinding down process because your cortisol levels are up which then have a knockdown effect because then things like testosterone thyroid hormones all the female hormones those are actually becoming at a uh, deficient uh, deficit sorry so they're going down because the cortisol is just becoming higher and higher and you said it's the cortisol in, in people's brains yeah Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So now the focus, for instance, if you go to a functional doctor, we always check adrenal gland function, and we're still doing that test, but actually now there's a shift. So, you know, instead of focusing, saying your adrenal glands are deficient, it's actually, well, depending on how your cortisol load is is over a day, we do a four- to a six-point test during the day. And if it's variable... It's usually okay. There's less neuroinflammation and less impact, neurologically speaking. So the hippocampus isn't shrinking as fast as it could be. If you you have a flat line on a cortisol day test, it usually means that it's been going on for some time. The cortisol load is very high in the brain. Neurologically, you have a lot of inflammation, and uh, the hippocampus is actually starting to shrink. And there's a lot of research recently um, using MRIs to show that. So what are some of the, like the, if that's starting to happen, what's happening to our bodies? What are some of the changes? Obviously that's not great, right? No. (laughs) Um, If I had a patient with a flat cortisol, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, um, very difficult coping with stressors, so they don't cope well, means a lot of anxiety and or depression, digestive symptoms for sure, uh, headaches, don't sleep well, they can't definitely can't get out of their mind. Sometimes they end up having that um, heart um, rate issues, so they have heart palpitations, uh, um, tachycardia, shortness of breath, full-on panic attacks, and I'm sure there's other ones I've forgotten at the moment. But yeah, A lot of those are, are sort of the... The ones that people know, okay, once I feel a panic attack, I know I should get some help. But before they get to that stage, uh, I think a lot of people accept some of those signs and symptoms, as you just discussed, as normal. You know, oh, yeah, I work this much, and I have to put the kids to to bed and get them up for school. Like, it's just a normal part of life. I'm not anything different to everybody else. But they sort of forget that the norm is shifted. Like, what people compare, everybody's in this sort of negative kind of I won't say mindset but this negative uh we'll use the word sympathetic domain um 
so and so from the perspective a lot of people then decide that they want to go exercise or they want to try and break the chain what are the sort of easy f- easy wins that people could start with it's like somebody who d- doesn't really think that they're you know they're not i'm not gonna have a panic attack but i do probably feel a little bit stressed so what would be the first way that they could start to break the cycle that they're in go to the beach immediately go to the beach and go for a walk two things connect with nature and just move just get outside move your body and gently move your body um, i mean there's a million more we could talk about qigong and tai chi and and yoga um, as far as movements but i think you know we do live very circumstantial lives and i think normal normal doesn't mean healthy I mean, I think we we just assume because everybody else is stressed that it's okay to have a six, seven, or eight out of ten for stress on a day-to-day um, basis. But definitely, that's not normal. You can enhance your functionality as a human being. You can enhance your happiness. It's being a human is about uh, striving to always be a little bit better, kinder, happier. Um, healthier more content, healthier mm. so i think i think we've gotten used to kind of being unhappy and that's yeah. okay yeah and, and i don't think mm. that's kind of a society is is the way to go forward at all yeah do you know what i find really worrying is that it's almost this assumption when i get old i'm going to be sick and it's like i'm going to have like some type of chronic disease or some type of pain and it doesn't have to be that way like you can get old and be healthy um but it's so rare like i don't think that i've heard of anybody that's old and healthy most people are old and have some type of degenerative disease or chronic disease or something like that and it's really um a testament to how we're living these days uh and all of the things that potentially in this experiment of progression haven't really gone so well or not the best. But what you talked about, Vander, in your talk, uh, it was an acronym, the happiness. PERMA, yes. PERMA. <laughs> can you explain a little bit about that? <laughs> well, actually, I, was, I just have one point to add mm. to what we were just talking, and then I'll talk about PERMA. Um, it's just really funny. I find a lot of people are in competition these days about how little sleep they got and how stressed they are. Yeah. Like, if you notice, those people always come in, they're like, oh, I'm not feeling very well. I got seven hours of sleep. I'm like, you only got, I got six. Like, come on. So it's almost like this competition. And one of the big things that also people can do is just sleep get eight or nine hours of sleep a night like just go to bed people get off your phone go to bed and um and then the other thing is uh actually i i need to find this research paper but um it said something along the lines of the amount of stress that people are under today in 1932 would have put you in an insane asylum yeah so um the the normal has definitely shifted as to what we Mm. as humans are actually coping with and handling yeah so I always just found that really I'm reading this really interesting book at the moment it's called Thrive I can't remember the name of the author but she used to she was one of the founders of the Huffington Post and uh, she ended up really sick and all of this stuff and her whole book is about these strategies uh, to get better and to be really mindful and so her and her friends had this thing every time they'd all go out to dinner whoever picked up their phone subconsciously during the dinner had to pay the whole bill um so they were doing all of these little tactics like not being on your phone turning it off when you got home and actually 
like having dinner with your family, actually like talking to them as opposed to staring at your screen, um, sleeping. So they made appointments to sleep. So at 10 o'clock, she was rushing to do everything because she's like, I'm, I'm going to sleep. This is my appointment. I'm not going to be late for this. And that was really nice to see. And an interesting quote in that book was um, the emptiness of a busy life. And you're right about that competition. Like I'm always, oh, but I'm, I work more than you or I sleep less. Like it's almost a little bit fashionable to to be able to function properly on five hours of sleep and it's like no it's so it's so bad for you so you should have like a sleep who got the most sleep last night yeah. competition yeah. Well, I, I don't know my friend with the phone thing we put your phone in the middle of the table everybody puts their phone in the middle of the table so everyone can see the phones and then at the end we everyone agrees is it time to get the bill yes can we touch our phones <laughs> not until the bill is paid by everybody because if you touch your phone you're paying the bill. It's so a good it's Yeah, a good and it does work. And as soon as somebody puts their phone in the middle, it doesn't have to say a word. We all know, you know, this is a good thing to do. I th- and then if somebody needs an important phone call or look, I've got it, whatever, I need my phone. But, but is, is no anything f- really that important? Like well, like, let's say, there's a, sometimes it is. Sometimes like, I'm coming into this meeting, but I, am, I do need a phone call that's business, work, the kids, the babysitter, I don't know. Something like that may be a difference. Um, so just talk, talk again about the, the PERMA. Uh, PERMA. So I was just trying to remember what the M stands for. but <laughs> So it's uh, positive uh, energy. Uh, and I just completely went blank. <laughs> who, who came up with that acronym? It was Dr. Martin uh, Sliegelman, who is the founder of Positive Psychology. Okay. Um, he, he was a, a president of the American um, Psychology Association in 1998. And that was kind of his word that he formed in 1998 and since then it's just kind of taken off over the last 20 years and this is related to how people um perceive happiness or how they get happy how essentially like it's steps to well-being so it's positive um positive emotion uh engagement relationships m i have to come back to you on i think it's meaning but i'm not sure um and then uh alignment or accomplishments and then i always add the h at the end so it's like perma so it's health mm-hmm. yeah so what are the others what are the others mean what do they mean yeah like <laughs> if you can elaborate a little bit yeah, on them. so positive energy obviously a positive outlook on things i'm um, not being so pessimistic i'm really just kind of like going towards life and trying to accomplish um, changing things. your mind changing your mindset so thinking that the glass actually is half full not half empty mm-hmm. um uh, e is Engagement, was engagement. it? <laughs> so engagement. Engagement. <laughs> I'm like a goldfish today. Um, <laughs> engaging with other people, um, um, like social engagement, right, which also works with R for relationships. So the two work together. But engagement, um, social engagement, um, really building a like community. This not, engagement. I mean, it can be, though, because sometimes social media, I mean, we always give social media a hard time, but sometimes, like, for example, I'm from Canada, so all of my family's back home. Without Facebook, they wouldn't have a clue what I was doing day-to-day or Insta mm. stories, you know? So... My mom at 70 years old is like the biggest Insta story fan in the world, right? That's so it, so in, in a way, it, she knows what I've done. She knows where I ate. She knows I had sushi yesterday, you know? So mm. like she knows this stuff, even even though I do actually call her every day. But um, she, <laughs> we're close. Um, but she knows what I've done all because of social media. So I think it's, in a way, it can be very positive. Um, and then other times, obviously, it can be quite negative if you're always on it or if um, you're c- continually comparing yourself to other people. Um, knowing that Instagram is just a highlight reel. It's not actually real life, you know? Um, 
but you know this today is going on my insta story so that's mm-hmm. kind of cool <laughs> highlight reel <laughs> right here um and then so yeah so relationships but being engaged in a community um actually having social engagement having friends um maybe dance classes you know getting out and meeting people and actually having connection outside of yourself mm. um and then i think it's meaning meaning it is meaning <laughs> um m is so more for like purpose just more like your purpose in life like finding out what you want to do what you want to accomplish what you want to give to the world and figuring out how to do that i realize that's a big step a lot of people don't know how to do that but it really if you can really just focus on your meaning it doesn't necessarily even have to be meaning of your life like what is your meaning of this week like what is you really want to focus on this week and do um A is an accomplishment and goals. They all kind of work together, obviously. So accomplishments, um, like what goals have you set? Vision boarding, uh, things that you can actually really focus on and work towards. Uh, Usually, like, you know, you don't achieve big things without big goals, right? And then H, of course, is health, which where we really come into effect and help people really focus on is and how do they get their health, um, physical, chemical, and emotional health much better. A lot of those are, are quite hard to do. Like even the even for some people, the, the po- like for me personally, I'll speak from my own perspective. Sometimes it's even the first one, the P. It, it's hard to look at things positively. Do you know, sometimes you just you are you're in a bad day, bad mood, bad this, bad that, mm-hmm. and then you just have to you flick a switch and, and think positively. You know, that's that doesn't align with how negative the day's been. Right. But you have to like yeah. there comes a time where you have to just. They they always say um, neurons. So it's like it, 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 it comes down to brain chemistry, really. So um, neurons that wire together fire together. Or if the if you look at the way things are, the things you look at change. You know, there's those kind of sayings. Say that again. Um, if you look at things, what did I just say? If you look, at, <laughs> I'm sorry, goldfish over here. Um, if you look at if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? right? So um, you can actually train your brain. And this is part of the positive psychology of the science. For example, a gratitude journal. So writing down three things a day that you're actually grateful for. It doesn't have to be big things. And using friends, family, your work, that's cheating. Don't do that, okay? Yes, you can be thankful for your friends, but what specifically, um, th- pick one, like three things of the day that you're really grateful for right so um, maybe somebody held the door open for you maybe somebody paid for your coffee in line you know they were paying it forward maybe um you know it could be even disappointing but you still could be grateful for it um because sometimes things that happen on the day you might not notice the actual blessing of it later um but if you pick three things a day and write it in a gratitude journal over 21 days right it's a 21 day challenge there's a lot of things out there that people have done this before but what your brain actually does is you're training it to focus and find positive things in the world, right? And positive things throughout your day. So um, as the day goes on, you'll actually be like, oh, I'm searching for something positive. Like you'll see um, somebody pick up a piece of trash that you would have never even saw before, you know? Or somebody held the door open for you and you actually said thank you, you know, something that you may have never even registered before. So when you start training your brain to actually try to find things that are positive, you'll start to actually see them, right? So you're going back to the thing how you were saying that it's all airy-fairy, but there's actually a lot of science There's actually scientific it. research behind this that so shows... So you're rewiring your brain, so to speak, yeah. to be happier. Exactly. The gratitude book is interesting. So you do that at the end of the day or you do it end during the day? End of the day, during the day, whenever you want to do it. Because that's going to force people. I need three things. I need three. Exactly. I need number one. Exactly. You'll sit back and you'll reflect what... Well, 
what good thing um is it you said gratitude so what am i grateful for today okay there's the big one that was that and then two more and then you're going to sleep on a positive sort of okay well these good things happen to me today right now let me let me shut off and go to sleep that's quite useful so 21 days then what's the outcome well in 21 days they say it takes about 21 days for a new habit to re-emerge right so you need to do something consistently for 21 days I personally think it takes longer because I've done a lot of things for 21 days and then they didn't stick after that, right? So it takes a long time to actually like retrain your brain. But over those 21 days, you'll just notice yourself noticing something that's more positive. And then like, you know, you might even notice that the birds sing a little bit more or you can smell the flowers when you walk out of your apartment, you know? So there's a lot of different things that you'll actually start to notice that really when your brain was more focused on the negative, because if your brain is not positive, it's negative, right? So if you're more negatively based you're going to notice all the negative stuff that happens in the day. You're going to notice when somebody didn't hold the door open for you, or you're going to notice when somebody cuts you off and shakes the road, or you're going to notice when, like these are the things that you really start to focus on, right? Because what your brain focuses on, that becomes your reality. So if you focus on more positive things, and as airy-fairy as it sounds, it's actually science, um, you'll actually find more positive stuff. And that falls in line with, with what you were saying, um, walking on the beach 10, 20 minutes, grounding yourself in earth, Another thing you can do is to take a little notebook out specifically and write down three things. That will then shift you more parasympathetic. Absolutely. Yeah? Because mm-hmm. that's important then because then the, you wake up the next day and you, if you're slightly more parasympathetic, you make a bit more of one small decision on, from a better perspective. That decision can lead to a more positive decision and then you can have almost like a downhill uh, knock-on effect. It's like one of my favorite sayings is how do you eat an elephant? I'm sorry for all the vegetarians, but how do you how do you eat an elephant? Bit by bit, one bite at a time. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> Caroline, love right? you. You gotta like, she got it. She got it. But that's the thing. Like, just one little small step. Yeah, or, there's no other way. It's too it's big. big. It's like right? so. It's like when people try to tackle a huge goal, you have to do it just bit by bit, just one little small step at a time, or else you're never going to do it. You're going to give up. So, what led you to the world of positive psychology? Ooh, deep question. <laughs> mm. How much time do we have? No, uh, the brief overview is um, I was really, really sick when I was a kid. And um, it's part of the reason why I'm a chiropractor today. And um, like I was I was in a wheelchair for three years. So I was, I, I, so I know what you're going through. Mm. Um, like I, I've been really struggled as a lot as a kid when I was really, really sick. And I started as a very young child listening to people like, like Tony Robbins and Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield and all these people who are very um, like positive energy and like you know the law of attraction and all that kind of stuff so I was always drawn to that even as a very small kid at 11 years old and then as I grew up um, I became a chiropractor and um, because that also really helped me on my journey towards health and then um, I actually heard uh, the TED talk with Sean Accor um, Mm -hmm. talk about the new science of happiness and then actually there was a gentleman called Dr. Um, Guy Reekman, who was the president of Life University, who was actually the president of Palmer College when I was going through school. And he was talking about how there was this new program at Life. And the minute he talked about it, I knew I had to join it. I was like, that's it. I'm, I, I have to get my master's of science in positive psychology, just because it's just something, it's just adding more tools to my toolbox. And I just, I just felt like I needed to pursue it. So I even, I even started the class. I, I actually, <laughs> I had to do my GMAT. Um, and I had nine days 
from the time where I signed up for the test to the time when I actually took the exam. Um, I hadn't done algebra since grade 10. I don't know about you guys. Oh, or algebra. writing. I actually, I'm really ashamed. And I'm, I know this is a podcast and I'm ashamed to say this, but I actually wrote about YOLO and the Kardashians in my GMAT. <laughs> <laughs> in my GMAT. Um, uh, exam I thankfully passed thank goodness I got enough to actually get through but because in nine days I had no time to actually really prepare I'm confused Isn't that sorry hilarious? what did you write about the Kardashians in your because life? it was it was something about the I can't even remember the question but it was something along the lines of um uh kids living actually it's funny it's actually a positive psychology construct where it's essentially kids living for today versus delayed gratification and i i introduced the kardashians based upon like what people see in the media and why they think that like they just deserve that now like a billion dollar empire versus actually delayed gratification like working for it where they think that you know if they're a youtube star or something is just going to come instantly but mm. yeah, yeah. I know I'm going to digress a lot here. Yeah, but you can I get also, away from Kardashians. No, cool. no, no. <laughs> I, like, I like it. It was interesting. Um, but I think the same thing is applied to health, the instant gratification. Like mm. I know on a personal level, and I've talked about this loads, that people think that you're going to get healthy like that. And it's just not the case. Like I had my accident like two and a half years ago and it's still healing. Like, and here I had in my head, like, yeah, I'm going to be better really quick. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't the case. So I think it's... When people have some chronic conditions or any type of illness, we instantly think, okay, well, if I go on a diet for a month or like I become a vegan or a vegetarian and I do 21 days of positive psychology and uh, then I go walk on the beach once, I'm going to be, I'm going to be good. Like it's just going to be done. And it's just not the case. Like it takes like time and you have to be very persistent with it and consistent and yeah. I don't, maybe you can speak more to that. I just had a mind blank now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I, I, when you were saying that, I was just thinking about how by the time it's really, we don't have, nobody can tell, can tell exactly yet. We will, I'm sure we will be able to in the, over the next decade. But for instance, just to make a long story short, I have a patient who has chronic hip pain and difficulty walking and getting around. And I've seen her now for probably almost a year. And difficult pain patient, but the amount of layers she's accumulated in her 50-odd years, it's, it is it is about the nervous system. It's about positive psychology. It's about habits. You know, <clears throat> what you were talking about before, if you're always used to picking up the pessimistic attitude, for instance, I always tell patients that, you know, it's a habit, it's a neurological habit. So the neurological receptors are used to that habit. So if you're in a hurry, you have two piles. This pile is always, you know, the sh- sunny side of the, the fence and how many times you said, yeah, I'm actually a good human or I'm good at this. I'm beautiful or whatever and on this side of the pile it's always however many times you've negated yourself or said yeah I'm not a very good person or this or that or that sucks etc if you're in a hurry you're going to grab the top of the pile right so it is about how you have evolved in your own biography and accumulated blockages and layers of stuff so a healing is a process I mean we're all sitting around healing right now I mean different ages different biographies but when do you stop healing? We all have blockages that we've come up with from our biography, from our childhood, from our adolescence, from things that have happened to us along the way. And I don't think it stops, actually. 
it's how do I keep striving to be more human, a better person, more kind, etc. But how do I keep striving to get rid of one? Yeah, I've been having that insecurity issue for 35 years. I can talk now in public a lot better than I used to be able to, but it's still there's hues of it there. How do I keep getting rid of that? That's a process of healing, right? And I don't think any adult can say that they're not in some sort of a process at all times. Yeah. How so? How can somebody measure their brain health? And wh- what I mean by that is, um, Caroline had an accident. She knows physically what she's capable of doing. Healing happens. She can now do something that she couldn't do physically. I go to the gym. I can lift 20 kilos. I keep training. I keep training. I keep training. I can lift 40 kilos. My sort of from the neck down tissue has improved and has changed. How I can, but I can see it on paper, and I know I'm doing. I'm I'm on the right track. I'm I'm, I'm progressing. How can somebody? I don't know if this is what you're going to say when you talk about we might get there in future. But how can someone say? Apart from the feeling of like, oh, that maybe used to s- trigger me, mm-hmm. and now I'm not triggered by it anymore. But how, how can someone measure that, or how can someone set themselves up to to be able to measure that? Well, now there are a lot more quantitative ways of measuring. Uh, you know, we're introducing a machine in the clinic called the Neuroinfinity, which is based on one of the f- um, factors is what Dr. Vanda was talking about with heart rate variability. So, you know, in the last eight to ten years, they've been doing more research on the heart rate variability, showing that actually there's a correlation with stress and cardiac disease. uh, You can measure that now. So, you know, the neuroinfinity is an interesting, it's a very simple tool. It measures, Vanda will be better at, um, because she's been studying it more (laughs) than I have, but brain waves, heart rate variability, respirations, pulse, skin conductance, and temperature, right? Yeah. And so brain waves and yeah. yeah yeah so it takes all those cofactors and you know you we so we can measure you at rest and then we can actually give you a stress response and see how well you're adapting so that's one way um, there's you know checking your actual stress hormones but it's not actually your, what you're talking about either like it's not actually brain mm. and I don't you know if you if you look at that question in bigger context how do you measure I mean, if you've ever seen the movie Limitless, for instance, what is the measure of you? your mental capacity? Nobody really knows. Um, we know that we, you use only about 10% of your actual mental capacity, realistically. So, you know, if you were a grand meditator, and, you know, a lot of people, um, Pema Chodron is a really interesting lady. I recommend her biography, or biography to anybody because she is a Westerner who became a Buddhist monk, went and lived in a cave, and I can't remember how many years it was, but she actually went in a cave and came out completely as a different human being. And, you know, if you spend that much time on mindfulness and reconnecting your the neuroplasticity towards positivity, what are you capable of? I mean, that's... Yeah, I... Um, it's, it's endless. It is. I like... I don't know how accurate my... Um, regurgitation of this is but I remember reading somewhere that um the part of the brain that was all about consciousness is like six cells in depth and it's like going down that way I don't know how accurate that is but that's amazing like obviously it's across the whole brain through all of the the lobes but that's crazy 
six cells and all the rest is what is all the rest and what are those like six layers of cells are just like crazy the brain is just amazing and it's crazy what it's capable of and and obviously um what it will evolve to be (laughs) well that's the thing about the nervous system because people always talk think about the brain and the nervous system but it's actually the brain is the nervous system and that's why it's so cool is because it has the ability to learn and as we evolve as humans um through time it's just amazing actually what we've even accomplished in the last 400 years much less the last 2000 years you know so it's just the ability of the brain to actually learn and evolve is we don't know the the end just talk a little bit about the heart rate variability like because i know you can buy apps nowadays that will claim hrv heart rate variability measure it in the morning and you know if you're red amber green to be physically exerting that day um how does that slot in on, on what you were talking about about the infinity machine is that what it's called yeah heart rate variability so uh, essentially for to have a healthy heart rate um it actually shouldn't be consistent um it shouldn't just be like thunk 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 it actually should be like thunk 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 so the it's variable in the actual heart rate so it should vary um so it shouldn't be regular the more variability that the heart rate has the more the the actual body is able to deal with stress so whether it be emotional stress emotional stress physical stress it can actually deal with stress much greater the more variability you have in your heart rate um so that's when the things of neural um, infinity actually tests is whether or not you're just very regular in, in your heart rate variability and then therefore you can't deal with stress very much or do you have a really good variability in heart rate that's what it tests interesting so you would um in theory then be able to perform a test on the machine go away practice your interventions your walking your breathing your th- your whatever else it is and then come back and check so what would a score look like like how, how would somebody know oh I'm, i've improved or i'm the same i i can't remember what it is actually on the machine but it does measure it and it gives you a percentage like whether it's you've actually increased. a chart yeah it shows you a chart and how it's changing and you it changes enough that for instance um either Vanda or I could give somebody an adjustment and re-measure it on the machine and see that the nervous system actually has had a positive shift with 10 minutes of uh, change between testing. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That'd be very interesting. What, in a, how, uh, how accessible are those machines? You guys have one at your clinic. Are they commonplace now or... Um, I think there's a lot of the chiropractors have them. Um, It was a chiropractic who I think was a neuro, I forget. He might have had diplomated neurology who developed it, but I'm not Um, sure. Yeah, he he does have a PhD in neuroanatomy, or he's all about the nervous system anyway. Um, And so I think more functional doctors like me are starting to integrate them into their clinics because we see, you know, People want tests because they're much more compliant if they have a little bit of a black and white, like, by the way, you are sensitive to gluten, get off of it. If I tell somebody, I could tell half the population to get off gluten and dairy, for instance, and they won't listen. But if I make them pay for an expensive test and then it says red, (laughs) where it says gluten and dairy, they'll listen. And it's like the nervous system. Because it is a bit airy-fairy, what is stress? You know, it's a new term only in the last 40 years, really. Then... 
if you actually have something measurable and say, look, by the way, this is what's going on with your nervous system. Your hypocampus is going to start shrinking if you don't listen to this. People are more compliant. That falls in line with the A in your PERMA. Your goals, your, what did you call it, achievable? Accomplishments and achievements, yeah. yeah. You've accomplished a change on the chart of the brain wave thing. Yeah, <laughs> from a health perspective, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I know I would, I would, that would motivate me as a, as a person with test, go away, do your thing, come back, retest, did it work? No, okay, go away, try harder. Okay, yeah, well, it might work this much. I want it to work more or I want it to work less. So I'll, so if I want it to maintain, I'll just do maintain whatever, the mindfulness or the walking or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that that's interesting enough. I didn't know about that. I didn't even know that machine existed. Mm-hmm. Does it, will that chart give you an idea of the sympathetic, parasympathetic in it, just in a sentence, like in a your? So wha- what way does that scale work? I mean, what way does the chart look? It's on. I think I don't know because we were just introducing it to the clinic, but I think it's based on frequency. So I don't know exactly the num- the numerological aspect of the the frequency, but yeah. It definitely does tell you whether you're sympathetic or parasympathetic dominant, what percentage or like frequency yeah. number that you'll have. Just out of curiosity, have you guys done the test? We're waiting for some electrodes to show up in the FedEx. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm I interested. Have, I've done one um, a few years ago. And what were your results? I was actually not very stressed. Oh, yeah. I, did I can totally <laughs> see that. Shockingly, I was yeah. probably off the chart. So. <laughs> <laughs> but can you, cheat, can you cheat the test by like doing your mindfulness at the time if it's you happening? The, you know, the, the guy who's the Iceman guy. So if you know how to breathe properly, I can, if I just take a moment right now, I can totally change my, right, okay. because I know how to breathe properly. And I do that, you know, when we were talking <laughs> earlier, I had to just click in and say, okay, click in, make sure I'm diaphragmatic breathing, and then I can start talking again. Cause yeah. So yeah, I think if you're conscious about your own self, your own breathing, then you can change it for sure, right? Yeah, massively. I uh, like. I know. I always bring this back to my accident, but I remember like that was the only thing that I was doing when I fell. Like I was just breathing, and I think that's actually what made me stay awake. And I stayed conscious because of that. And I was just like, I had my hand on my heart, and I was just breathing, and I was just listening to my heart beating, and that was it. I don't know what else happened or what happened around me, but all I remember was, yep, my heart's beating. I'm breathing. I'm chilled. I'm like I'm gonna be fine <laughs> and having that like conversation well, at that moment that's all that mattered yeah 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 so it's immensely powerful yeah mm-hmm. that's all I have to say about that one <laughs> so then just coming back to the talk then what do you hope people watching it will be able to take out of it to implement into their their daily life or their their training schedule their sessions with their yoga students for me i think it's just a value that when you're working with other humans you're impacting their lives and hope and hopefully inspiring them to change their lives so taking much more responsibility for their lifestyle for their thinking and feeling in terms of quality versus quantity in terms of you know human just being a human being which we forget that you know if i ask a patient what it means to be a human being a lot of people don't even have the answer anymore so having good relationships 
be um, being able to um, decompress, go outside, be with nature, um, relax your body, relax your brain, not think and feel about anything at the moment so you're not getting overworked up about stuff. Like all those things are so simple. They're such simple con concepts. But, you know, both in both of our jobs, we do that every day. We teach people how to breathe. We teach people how to think about what it means to be a human being. We teach people every day how to they actually have to go outside and look at a leaf. I mean, it, it's sad. It, the world is coming to that perspective where it's so circumstantially kind of lived. But, I mean, that's real. Those are simple tools. And if, if you're a yoga teacher or you're a Pilates teacher or a PT, then you're seeing, I don't know, anywhere from four to 40 patients or clients a day. You have the capacity to get that word out there. And I think that's, for me, that's the... That's the fundamental thing of all disease and illness. If every single human meditated, a lot less people would actually have to be treated for symptoms. I know that for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys, for coming on today. I've been obviously very fortunate to be treated by both of you, so I know how like just powerful and profound uh, your practice and the way that you guys practice is. So if people wanted to get in touch with the clinic or wanted to go to the clinic, where would they go? Well, they're welcome to come find us in Jamira 1. We're right by City Walk and the old life pharmacy that everybody knows where. Do you want me to give them their number? Yeah, or the website. Or, or yeah, Twitter, the website. yeah, social yeah. media website, yeah. Yep, we're, it's actually currently on a hold right now um, <laughs> because we're just about to launch the new website, but we're at www.thecarinclinic.com and we're at um, 043977444. I think that's our phone number. No. 043497444. Isn't that what I said? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. And in about three to four weeks, we'll be opening our much larger more sustainably-minded clinic at Sustainable City up by the ranches. Which I saw really your little video on Instagram. It mm. looks beautiful. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, exciting. I'm starting to finally get excited about it. Yeah. yeah I can see the end point now, and uh, it's really going to be amazing. Yeah. And Instagram, the easy one that people can find. What's your yes. Instagram? Dr. Linnell. I'm Dr. Dot Vanda. V-A-N-D-A. V-A-N-D-A. Say it again. Like Panda, but with a V. And then you have the Chiron Clinic? Yes, but uh, I forget to go on that site a lot. <laughs> so if you go lo look on Dr. Linnell, you'll find me for sure. But yes, we have an Instagram account too. There's a Facebook page for the Chiron Clinic as well. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you guys so much. So I think just in tribute to this whole conversation, should we do a little gratitude thing? So I'm going to say so grateful to have both of you on and to give a little talk for a life of education. Uh, okay. I Today, <laughs> I'm extremely grateful for you guys having us. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you for being so patient when my sympathetic nervous system freaked out filming. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Um, thanks for having us here. It's been really a fun time. And thank you for taking the initiative and uh, pioneering your project because it's amazing because what you're doing, you're getting out there to a really large number of people. And I can just see it growing and mushrooming and that's that's amazing well i'm grateful for those kind words <laughs> um and also for this very long day to be finally coming to a close <laughs> <laughs> so i think we'll wrap it up leave it there yeah thanks so much guys bye thanks, bye. thanks magdalene it's been very patient.